Well, hey, we're so glad that you are here. Man, God has continued to do great things in our church body, and it's an exciting morning. So, have you ever had a plan that didn't work out? <laughs> Good, I'm not the only one. April 11th, 1970. Anybody know what happened that day? Apollo 13 took off. Great plans. Great plans for that moon landing. April 13th, there was an explosion of the oxygen tank number two in the service module and caused further complications. And we got that famous saying, you know it, Houston, we've had a problem. Have you ever had a plan that didn't work out? Maybe you've been struggling with infertility. You got married and you had the plan. You knew how many kids you were going to have when you were going to have them, and a recent miscarriage has left you devastated. Maybe you're getting older with that old age, and the wisdom that you have also comes struggles physically as the aches and the pains just keep adding up. Maybe you've recently experienced the death of a loved one. This was not a part of the plan. They went too soon. And you are hurting and grieving and mourning. This was not the plan. And you say, God, this wasn't how it was supposed to be. Why? Why is this happening? And you cry out to him. You cry out to him, really, for healing, physically, emotionally, mentally. You cry out for restoration, for healing. So what's God's way of healing? When things aren't going according to plan, when there's that hurt and that pain and that problem, and that's something that's broken, and you say, God, we've got a problem. What is God's way of healing? How might he want to heal you? To heal me? We're going to look today in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, this incredible story where, of course, Jesus is the main character. Luke chapter 8, we'll be starting in verse 40 as we ask this question, what is God's way? Not my way. What is God's way of healing? And as you know, we'll have the passage on the screen. You can Bible's in front of you. You can pull it up on your phone. Uh, well, let's dive in and see what God has to say. What is his way of healing? Now, just as you, so you know, we've been in this wonderful series. Last week, we, we kicked it off, right? Supernatural, this incredible, just last week, incredible message. We talked about the fact that, you know, Satan and demons and God is greater and bigger than any of that. And the passage we're about to turn to right before that, Jesus heals this man who is demon-possessed. And it's one of countless examples of the fact that this is not a fair fight. God is greater and bigger than anything that Satan has to throw. God is holy, holy, holy. 
And now, as we get to this passage today, Jesus, he, he comes back, he, he crosses back this, this lake back over into Jewish territory, and there's a crowd who just can't wait to meet him because they've heard what he's done, he's, they've heard what's happened, and they want to see what's going on and be a part of it. Things are at a fever pitch as we set the scene in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. So if you're ready to keep going, would you say, I'm ready? All right, let's pray as we continue our time together. God, you are holy. You are holy. We acknowledge that you're here right now. God, would you be glorified and honored, continue to be glorified and honored with this time. God, we give to you our hearts. Would you continue to speak and lead and move God, would you be with our kids right across the hall? I pray, God, you continue to bless them, bless that time, be glorified there, be glorified here. We give this time to you, and we just cry, holy. We love you, we worship you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 40. Let's see what happens in this text as we ask this question about, God, what is your way, your way of healing? Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. Again, he came back from that healing of the demon-possessed man over kind of Gentile territories, come back across the lake. We're back into Jewish territory. There's a crowd waiting to welcome him. They can't wait to see him. They were all expecting him. Then, verse 41, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, he came and he fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. This man, Jairus, so we see that he's a synagogue leader. So he's, he's a, one of the leaders in his local church. He's helping kind of call the shots. He's helping put the service together. He's kind of got a prominent place in that culture. And we see that he falls at Jesus' feet. Can you just imagine the scene? Again, this prominent leader, he falls down at his feet. He's pleading with him to come to his house. And the text tells us it's his only daughter, and maybe even possibly his only kid. And you know, parents, you would do anything for your kid. And this child of 12 years old, around 12, is dying. We don't know exactly what's going on, but you know when your kid is sick, you'll do anything for them. When your kid is going through a hard time, you'll do anything for them to bring healing, and Jairus comes in his desperation for Jesus. Let's keep going, verse 43. And as Jesus, verse 42, was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So imagine this scene as the crowds are coming in. Have you, have you ever seen, you know, a celebrity or an athlete, they come out of maybe the stadium or after the concert, and they've got these blockades, and they've got the security team that's protecting them. Jesus doesn't have any of that, right? This is at a fever pitch. People are closing in, crowding in. They want to see Jesus. Verse 43, a woman was there 
who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. It's interesting, right? The, the girl, remember how old she was around 12, right? This woman's been bleeding for the same amount of time this girl has been alive for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Now, this passage is also the stories in other gospel accounts, and it tells us in those other accounts that, that this woman spent all that she had on physicians, and no one could heal her. She was desperate. And this wasn't just a physical problem that this woman had. You see, if she had this, this issue, this physical issue in Jewish culture, that also meant that she was unclean. And so this affected her not just physically, but socially. This affected her religiously. And then on top of it all, we, we have that from the Old Testament law, but then the Jewish culture, the Mishnah, upped it all the more. And so she was ostracized from her community. She was desperate. Have you ever been desperate? Desperate because of your situation, where you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what else to do or where to go. Maybe it's a sick kid, maybe it's an illness yourself, or maybe it's something else where you're just, God, I don't know what to do or where to go. This woman is at the end of her rope. And so what does she do? Verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. Isn't that incredible? So we got to point out the fact that this woman wasn't supposed to be anywhere near there. And so as she's approaching this crowd, the crowd knows this woman. And they're going, she's not supposed to be here. If she comes close to me, that's going to make me unclean. She's not supposed to be here. So this woman is really courageous in going out into this crowd. And when and she touches Jesus, boy, that took a lot of courage. She touches the edge of his cloak. She says, I'm not going to bother him. Now, where Jairus said, I'm going to come up right to Jesus. I'm going to bother him. Jesus, or, uh, this woman says, I'm not going to bother Jesus. I'm just going to touch the edge of his cloak, and maybe we'll see what happens. And what do we see that happens next? Immediately, her bleeding stopped. Imagine for this woman who's been in this pain and trouble for 12 years, that feeling of it going away, immediately it stopped. The joy and jubilation, the relief. Let's see what happens next. Jesus, this is in verse 45, who touched me, Jesus asked. What a funny question, right? He's in a crowd full of people that are pressing in on him. Who touched me? And Peter, of course, says, hey, master, the people are crowding around. They're pressing in on you. Everyone's touching you. But Jesus said, uh, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Verse 47, the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, her plan changed, right? Her plan was, I'm just going to touch his garment. We'll see what happens. Now she's center stage. The spotlight is on her. She came trembling. And just like Jairus, she fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, 
She told, she proclaimed, she shared why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. I love Jesus' response, verse 48. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So, so far in our story, we've had kind of two sections of the story. Section one was Jairus coming to Jesus. Section two was this woman coming to Jesus. And we're about to get to section three. But I wonder what's going on in Jairus' mind at this point. Right? He comes in desperation to Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, I'm gonna, I'll come. I'll come heal your daughter. But this woman gets in the way. The only thing standing between Jairus' daughter and, or Jairus and Jairus' daughter getting healed is this crowd of people and Jesus is, or, uh, Jairus is probably going, wow, that's incredible what Jesus did. He's got the power to heal my daughter, but time is ticking. Come on, Jesus, let's go. So let's look at what happens next in verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And Jairus' heart probably just sank. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Everything's going through Jairus' mind right now. I want to believe, Jesus. I want you to heal my daughter. I'm desperate. Verse 51, when he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Verse 55, her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. What an incredible story. And if you and I followers of Jesus, if we believe this stuff, this Bible stuff, which I do, this actually happened. And I love that there's intentionality in this. There's a reason why we had part one, part two, part three. And we have some really incredible principles to glean from this as we continue to ask, what is God's way of healing? What is God's way of healing? Point number one, God's way of healing is in his timing. Your timing might not be his timing. God heals in his timing. One of the things, Shay and I love many things about Arizona, one of the things we love is we don't change our clocks during the year, do we? Isn't that incredible? Guys, I've been living in Florida. I keep having to go forward and back, and it's the worst. We stay the same here. I love it. We operate according to our own time, don't we, in Arizona? Oh. 
God operates according to his own time. His own time frame, way outside of any other time zone. God is outside the space-time continuum, right? He doesn't operate like you and me in this linear fashion. And my brain just gets fried when I think about that, that God is outside. He sees your past, your present, your future. God doesn't operate according to your plan or mine. He doesn't operate according to your timing or mine. He sees it all. You look at Jairus, you look at the woman who had been suffering for 12 years. Jairus wanted that healing right away, but he had that major interruption, so much so that his daughter died. We see this woman, she had been bleeding for 12 years. God's timing, not their timing, prevailed. God knows things that you don't. That breakup you've gone through recently. That financial hardship you're facing. That illness that you are going through. God knows things that you and I just don't. And he does heal, but it's in his timing. He can heal today, he can restore today, whatever it is that's going on. He can do that down the road, or he can do that on the other side of eternity. It's not a matter of when God heals, or if God heals, or if God restores. It's when that he's going to do that. God's way of healing is in his timing. What else is God's way of healing? Well, he heals for his glory. It all points to him. It's for his glory. Did you guys see that super moon that happened recently? Oh, boy, was that amazing. Again, okay, one of the many things we love about Arizona, how great the sky is at night. Oh, my goodness. And then get in to see that super moon, and, and I, I'm going to get this wrong, I know, I know. But um, I think you can see Saturn next to it, maybe. It was like this extra cool spectacle. It was a, a special, unique super moon. It was just beautiful. What's so fascinating about the moon is the moon's light doesn't come from itself, right? Where does it come from? The sun. You and I were created to reflect God. As the moon reflects the sun, you and I get to reflect God. As image bearers of him, we continue in everything we do. We point to him, point to him, point to him. That includes healing, restoration. It all points to him. In our story with the woman and with Jairus, it all is about him. We see healings that happen throughout the Gospels, and it's about Jesus. And what I find so interesting about these healings is the point isn't the healing itself, the restoration itself. It's about the healer. It's about the restorer. It points to him. 
It's all about Jesus. These things validated his message. They weren't the main point. They were the moon to the sun. They pointed to him. They validated his message. As you and I go through God's healing and restoration in various ways. And boy, I I wish I could just open the mic right now and say, hey, come on up. Tell us what God has done in your life. As we go through, as we look back those things that we've gone through in God's healing and restoration, what does it do? It all points to him. I think about our recent Regent graduation. And these men and women who went through this program and they come with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, which by the way, we all have, right? And they came with that and they have addressed and talked about them and brought God into them and brought community into them. And some of them say, hey, I am healed. God has restored me. Some of them say, hey, I am healing. God is restoring me. God is working in my life. And they get to testify to his goodness. They get to be the moon to the sun, When you and I go through that healing and restoration, let's share it with others. Let's let the world know about it. Let's point back to Jesus. So how does God heal? What's his way? It's in his timing, and it's for his glory. What else is God's way of healing? Point number three, it's through the cross. It is ultimately through the cross. Did you know there's several times in God's word where actually we don't see healing happening right away? There's this time in the Gospels where just things are at a fever pitch for Jesus and Jesus has done some healings and people are just, they're ready to just see him. They want to see him. They want to experience him and the disciples go, Jesus, we got more work to do in this town and Jesus goes, "Uh uh-uh, we need to keep going on. I am sent to proclaim the gospel. I'm sent to glorify the Father and we'll find out eventually he's sent to die on the cross. That healing ultimately takes place through the cross, through the gospel. And you and I might not experience it today or tomorrow or this side of eternity, but it does come. There's this passage in 1 Peter 2.24 that's referencing Isaiah, and it says that by his wounds, we are what? We are healed. Now, some people might twist that passage and they say, that means you're physically healed today and if you're not, there's something wrong with you. That means you're emotionally healed today and if you're not, there's something wrong with you. I'm here to tell you that that is wrong and taking that passage out of context. God says the ultimate healing that you and I experience, the best healing at all is our relationship with God that was restored. We were spiritually dead and we experienced the ultimate healing through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We experience it that now, and we'll experience that one day ultimate when we are with him. And all those other things, too, that we want healing for, physically, mentally, emotionally, we will, too, experience that one day. But our ultimate healing that we find is in our relationship with Jesus. We see in the gospel, Luke, 
if you were to fast forward from Luke 8 where we were, another chapter, and it says that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He resolutely set his face to Jerusalem. What was he doing? He was going to die on the cross for us. So these things are great. These healings are great. These teachings are great. It is leading to a purpose, and that is on the cross. You guys have heard about Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? In 2 Corinthians 12. And Paul cries out to God for healing. We don't think it was an actual literal thorn in the flesh, right? That sounds painful, right? But whatever it was, Paul was going through immense pain. Can I tell you, I, I think there's a reason we don't know what it was. People want to speculate, and you know, maybe it was his eyesight, maybe something else. But there's a reason, I think. And I think part of it is to put ourselves in that, to realize, I know what that thorn in the flesh is like. And so Paul cries out to God for healing. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 12. And he gets an answer. Because, you know, God always does answer prayer one way or another. It might be yes. It might be no, and maybe, maybe, or not now, but later, God answers the prayer. What does he tell Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. How might God want to use your weakness right now? How might he want to use your thorn in the flesh as you cry out to him for healing? And as his answer might be yes, might be not the sight of eternity, or might be yes, but not yet. My grace is sufficient for you. On October 14th, 2012, I got to marry my best friend, Shay. And those words in sickness and in health meant a lot to us. You see, Shay was going through some unknown health challenges. We weren't sure what was going on, but they were serious and significant. And over the years, this passage meant so much to my bride. This notion of this woman reaching out to Jesus in faith, seeking him, her persistence after him. And we did not experience healing overnight. But over time, in God's timing, for his glory, we did experience that healing. And our sweet nine-month baby boy is a testimony to the healing that God brought. <laughs> but God, he would have been just as good if he didn't bring healing to the side of eternity. He would have been just as good if he didn't bring Micah. Does God heal? Yes. In his timing, for his glory, and ultimately through the cross. What Shay and I went through gave us just a taste 
of God's ultimate healing in the gospel that we will have for eternity. And as we go back to our title slide, because there's just such a cute picture, we're not going to be able to listen to the rest of it, right? Thank you. <laughs> I had some final thoughts for you. Some of you are going through unimaginable pain. Unimaginable. And like that woman that came to Jesus, you're persistent. You're seeking after him. You came this morning, and maybe you had hurdles and struggles to get here. Physically, mentally, you're just so, so running on empty. Keep reaching out to Jesus. Keep reaching out for him. I want you to know that he's, he's proud of you. You're not seeking him perfectly, maybe. You're not reaching out to him perfectly. Neither did that woman. By the way, her trying to reach for his garment, you know, you, you could even just tell it. She's not, oh, if I just superstitiously touch his robe. She, she didn't know everything. She didn't have it all figured out, but she reached out. He's proud of you. Keep seeking him in your pain and in the struggle. Keep crying out. And maybe, maybe you're just saying, why God? Why? That cancer diagnosis? Your body breaking down? That broken heart because somebody abandoned you? I want you to know I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I'm so sorry. And with that why, would you add where and how? With the why, would you add where and how? God, where are you at work in this? How do you want to use me in this? We might not know the answer to the why this side of eternity. But we can ask God, where are you at work in this? How do you want to use me in this? God doesn't guarantee his healing this side of eternity. But he does guarantee his presence. Now in a moment... I'm going to invite you, if you're comfortable, in a, in a couple moments, to stand, and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray out loud. You're going to pray in your heart. I'm going to invite you to do something, and again, only if you're comfortable with this, I'm going to invite you to put your hands out, just like you're that woman reaching out for Jesus' garment. And we're going to pray together, and we're going to pray over that thing that you're going through, that healing that you're crying out to God for. And, and, and maybe you're sitting there, and you're like, hey, I'm doing great. Okay, great. Let's pray for somebody else's healing and restoration and that struggle that they're going through. Because, boy, there's a long list, isn't there? You can rattle them off of people and friends that you know that are going through hard times. So I invite you to do that in a moment for our closing time. 
But first, what's, what's your next step from this? What do you do with this? Get prayer and give care. Get prayer and give care. So get prayer. We're going to, after our closing prayer, we're going to have our prayer team over here, your left, my right, to be able to just, just get, get prayer from them. Share with them what's going on. They'd love to pray over you. Maybe you're not comfortable with that or not ready for that. We have prayer cards in the seat backs in front of you. Fill that out. Did, did you know our staff prays over these prayer cards every Monday together? Fill those out. We'd love to pray over your request. So fill that out. So go up there or, or fill out a prayer card. I encourage you to share in your group this week. Maybe you've never shared with them that, that hurt, that struggle, that pain, that need for healing physically, emotionally that's going on. Share with them this week in group. There's power to that. And then give care. You know people who are hurting. Reach out to them. Tell them you want to bring them a meal. But don't, don't ask them. Hey, if, 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 if you ever want a meal, let me know. Uh-uh. I'm bringing you a meal. When do you want it? I'm buying coffee. I'm going to take you out for coffee. When can we do that? Call them. Pray with them over the phone. But give care. Reflect Jesus who was present with people in their pain. He ministered in the mess. He served in the suffering. Reflect Jesus and do that same thing for those in your life who are hurting. And so as we close out our time together, how does God heal? What is his way of healing? According to his way, it's in his timing, it's for his glory, and it's ultimately through the cross. So as we close out our time, I invite you to stand with me, all of you, if you're comfortable with that. And we're just going to, we're just going to hold our hands out. We're going to be like that woman who's reaching out to Jesus. And so I'm going to pray out loud. I invite you to pray in your heart as I pray. Lord, we love you. We continue to say holy, holy, holy. And Lord, you know the things that are going on for my friends here and, and, and online. You know the ways in which they say, gosh, the oxygen tanks have, have blown God, we've got a problem. I've got a problem. And Lord, we thank you that you are a healer. And God, you do that in your own way, according to your way, which is so much better than ours. And so, Lord, I pray over each of my friends in this room. I pray, God, over the hurts, the struggles. God, we pray over the physical pains. And God, I do pray for healing. Would you heal their body? Would you heal the hurt? Would you heal the physical pain that they are experiencing? And God, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, we know that he wrote that you said your grace is sufficient, your power is made perfect in weakness, but God, we're going to pray for healing. As Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will but yours be done. So God, we pray your will, your way, and we continue to ask, would you heal? We pray over those who are struggling emotionally, Lord, who have the hurt and pain, not externally, but internally inside of them. Lord, I pray that you would be a healer there. We ask that you'd wrap your arms of love around that person.
And Lord, like we've talked about, you don't necessarily guarantee your healing, but you guarantee your presence. So God, would you be that present God as we continue to say you are holy. Your healing is the best way. And we pray for that healing, God. We pray for that now. We pray your will, your way. Be with our loved ones who are hurting. Be with our community who is hurting. God, be with those. We, gosh, just the earthquake the other day in Morocco, God. Our world is hurting. We pray, Jesus, that you be the healer that you are, that you be present. You help us bring that message, that ultimate message of healing of your gospel, where we know ultimately one day, Revelation, at the end, it says, you will be with us forever. You'll wipe away every tear. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. We look forward to that day. So Jesus, we reach out for your garment. We pray for healing. We praise you. We worship you. And we cry holy. And to your name we pray this, Jesus. Amen. Amen, church family. Hey, we love you. God loves you even more. And like Jesus told that one, would you go in peace today? Have a great rest of your day.